Lorenzi, Lorenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che da gol! Capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Les Georges, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Number two here on this Tuesday afternoon. TC Martin with you. Appreciate Lincoln Kennedy joining us last hour. If you missed that, you can go to the website later on today, tcmartinshow.com, and hear the former All-Pro and does a fantastic job with the Raiders Radio Network. Uh, always great to see and hear Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, again, that uh, will be up on the website. And again, wherever you get your podcasts, Go get the show there. All right, past episodes, interviews, all up there. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, go check that out. And, of course, you can get through all of the episodes at tcmartinshow.com. Uh, the featured interview is on the homepage. Got the big seven-footer on there. Our last uh, crazy debate. I can't remember what it was. I mean, it was, it's always something, right? It was Movies, great, music. It, it was, was a little bit of everything. <laughs> It legit was a little bit of everything. He just gets me so riled up, you know. Uh, gonna have to deal with him here in a couple months when he comes back to town, you know. Should be fun. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, and of course we'll we'll get him on this week too. And uh, as we kind of we turn the page slowly but surely uh, towards basketball. So there you go. So big seven footer, big Bill Cartwright, B.J. Armstrong, Tracy Murray. A lot of our basketball crew start to join us a little bit more on a regular basis. We give Lincoln Kennedy a break now. Trevor Match, we'll give him a little a little bit of a break as we wind down, you know, the football season. Of course, the NFL playoffs begin on Saturday. And uh looking forward to that. All right. This hour we'll talk to Chuck Esposito. Uh he will join us. And we'll start talking about the wild card weekend or the wild card round up there. So, yeah, a lot more to hit on uh, today, and uh, we will continue on uh, for the rest of the week. And don't forget Friday, our Friday home at the Westgate Las Vegas at the world-famous Superbook. Come on by, see the show live, myself, Marco D'Angelo, and uh, our bevy of guests. And, uh, again, thank uh, everyone who joined us yesterday, whether it was in person at the Westgate, the Sportsbook, the Superbook, or via the phone. Trevor Match from ESPN joined us live from SoFi Stadium, previewing the national championship game, and Matt Holt as well, too, our good friend from U.S. Integrity, uh, who was there sitting in the commissioner's box of the SEC, Greg Sankey. So appreciate uh, uh, those guys. And, of course, uh, anytime 
we have any major event, you know, we have it covered for you from top to bottom, from all angles. All right. So, uh, because yesterday was such a, you know, a busy, heavy uh, day of action that happened on the field, previewing the championship game and talking about the playoff seedings and, you know, recapping a busy NFL weekend, um, thought today we would touch uh, upon the latest news from about uh, DeMar Hamlin. And so remember, yesterday morning, DeMar Hamlin um, was released from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, uh, where he had spent uh, basically the, the last week going back and going in there last Monday night. So um, a week there, not even quite a week, you know, six and a half days, if you want to be specific, uh, was released. And he was transferred to Buffalo General Medical Center and um, doing well enough uh, to travel and to fly. So he was in stable condition. So they wanted him to get back to Buffalo so he could see his regular doctors, go through further testing. And uh, the emergency doctors there at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center did a fantastic job like we've talked about all week long. So he is at the Buffalo General Medical Center now. Uh, his, his second day there. He remains hospitalized, but is in very good spirits. And um, he is uh, also at the uh, Gates Vascular Institute, uh, Kalita Health Facility in Buffalo. So DeMar Hamlin is going through a series of tests, and um, he will be there at least for a few days, and there is hope that he will be able to go home very, very soon. But uh, good spirits, smiling. Again, you know, we had we had talked with you a couple days, you know, before the, the Bills played their game against New England in the regular season finale where he got to, you know, FaceTime and Zoom all of his teammates, and you saw Buffalo, how they responded in that game on Sunday when um, – Hines took the opening kickoff for 100 plus yards for a touchdown and then added a second uh, as well, too. So, uh, Buffalo Bills in good spirits. Watch out for those Bills as uh, we get ready for the playoffs. Uh, the uh, UC Health doctors um, said this when the Bills opening kickoff was run back, they said DeMar Hamlin jumped out of his chair and set off all the alarms in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool, right? I think DeMar's doing well. You know, cognitive, he's, you know, can communicate. Uh, again, going through what he went through. Man, cardiac arrest, su- suffering that on the field of play. Um, basically being out for several, several moments, several minutes. And for him to respond the way he's responding, hey, that is a fantastic news. Uh, more tweets from Damar Hamlin. Not home quite just yet. Still doing and passing a bunch of tests. Special thank you to Buffalo General. It's been nothing but love since the arrival here. Keep me in all your prayers, please. Hashtag three strong. So there you go. And we'll see a lot more of the number threes out there. And see a lot more of um, Strong's, you know, love for DeMar and all that stuff. All right. But 
that's a very good segue to talk about a little bit more Terrible Tuesday stuff. Now, we understand that everybody would wants to pay tribute, give prayers, and that sort of thing. That's fantastic. But when you take it upon yourself and make it more about yourself or your organization, I got a problem. Did we see on ESPN's coverage of the wild card game Saturday night, right? Tennessee and Jacksonville. Now, the Monday night broadcast crew was there to do the Saturday night game on ESPN. It was Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So, despite all of the rhetoric that we had to hear and the bad coverage that we talked about last week on Terrible Tuesday that ESPN did, not giving us the proper information, which we had to go to CNN to really get great coverage and detail and talk to physicians and people that knew what was going on. Well, now there's a big uh, travesty that's going on back and forth with the ESPN and the NFL where we found out that the Bills and the Bengals coaches uh, did not want to go back on the field. But they were being talked into going back on the field by the Players Union rep, Troy Vincent, former player, uh, that not a lot of people have are very fond of. Uh, especially when it comes to time for negotiations. So Vincent was basically communicating with the NFL. The NFL office was trying to get those players back on the field, and that's what took such a long time. And ESPN was kind of in the dark here. And so, again, ESPN, the network who benefits from broadcasting these games, along with the National Football League, um, they were trying to salvage this game and that has come across the last couple of days and obviously you can imagine that that's not going uh going on well right now uh we heard word from the head coaches sean mcdermott specifically and zach taylor said no way in the world we're going back out there and playing one of the buffalo bills team representatives said in not so nice terms no way we are taking the field again as much as the NFL and ESPN were trying to push those guys can go back on the field. So ESPN now kind of retracting a little bit and trying to get in that mode. So what do we see Saturday night? The broadcast starts. The Titans and the Jaguars. We see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman holding their stick mics with the ESPN logo backwards. People are going, look at these idiots. It's almost as bad as Josh McDaniels wearing his head headband, right? With the Raider logo upside down. No, folks, this was designed this way. This was ESPN's bad, cheap attempt to have their logo in your face, but turn it backwards so the E... Looks like a three. The three being DeMar Hamlin's number. I don't know if I was the only one that 
was ripping these guys about this, if, if anybody else was doing this. But again, it's typical ESPN. It's no different than the ESPYs. It's no different than anything else they do. The self-promotion of themselves. In a moment like this, where you almost see a player die on your broadcast, and you don't know how to handle the broadcast. You don't know what to say. And now we find out later that you want to try to continue the game, that network, as long as as well as the NFL. And now you're saying all the right things and, hey, you know, wish DeMar well. No way in the world, gonna, you know, you should have played that game. But did you see anybody else, any other networks or any other games on that doing that? Showing us, making you try to think that that's number three. How about this, ESPN? If you want to do a tribute to DeMar Hamlin, then why don't you rip off that that crooked E that you got on there, and why don't you put a red, white, and blue number three like he wears? Why don't you do that instead of trying to, oh, let's be cute here. No, you're insulting. You're insulting everyone's intelligence. Make yourself look stupid. And again, it's self-promotion. If you're really concerned about DeMar Hamlin, you want to give him a proper tribute, put his number on there. His real number. Not some stupid E that nobody correlates a backwards E into a real number three. Have you ever seen a three like that? On any uniform number or on the the field? Yard marker? Come on. Why aren't you you wearing shirts like, like some of the Fox guys were? You know? Pray for DeMar. You know, DeMar, we're with you. Whatever. Wear a Buffalo Bills jersey. Something like that. With a real number three on it. That was lame. It was cheap. And again, they should be called out for, again, why are they doing it? It's self-promotion. Because they really cared about DeMar Hamlin. You do his number. Or something that's directly filled with him. Not your own network. All right. How about some bad broadcasting? You want to talk about some bad broadcasting as we... Great segue there, right? NC State radio broadcaster Gary Hahn is broadcasting the NC State-Maryland bowl game, the Duke-Mayo bowl game in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, you know what the Duke-Mayo bowl game is all about. You know, it's really what it's known for. It's known for the winning coach gets doused with mayonnaise at the end. All right. Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this Hammenager radio broadcaster calling the game for NC State Gary Hahn. All right. Hahn said this on the broadcast. He's during a timeout, he's given a score of another bowl game that's going on at the time. The Sun Bowl is being played in El Paso, Texas. Here's what Gary Hahn said as I quote, down among all the illegal aliens in El Paso. It's UCLA 14 and Pitt 6. That didn't go off so well. Gary Hahn was suspended indefinitely. Now, you wonder why he was suspended. Well, Learfield had their statement, who has the broadcast rights for that and does for most of the uh, college uh, football and basketball and college sports. El Paso, Texas officials have declared a state of emergency as migrants have continued to cross into the city from Mexico seeking asylum. So Han thinks he's being cute here, talking about down among the illegal aliens in El Paso, Texas. He's talking about the Mexicans that are fleeing the border 
to try to come into the United States. He calls them illegal aliens. Well, he's suspended. He's been the voice of NC State football and men's basketball since 1991. <laughs> Think about that. This guy's been broadcasting for over 30 years. Hmm. And he says that. Pretty, pretty pathetic. All right. Speaking of pretty pathetic uh, in bowl games, the New Jersey gaming regulators ordered sports books to halt betting on the Citrus Bowl between Purdue and LSU. Now, we talked about this with Matt Holt last week. And this whole thing was ridiculous for so many facets. All right. Because they halted betting at certain sports books because an individual associated with the Purdue football team is in violation of state regulations. Well, that individual was Drew Brees. Now, Brees, who signed on to become an interim assistant coach for just this game, this bowl game, because Purdue lost their head coach. If you remember, all right, Jeff Brom went over back to his alma mater at Louisville, so Purdue was without a coach. So um, they brought in Drew Brees to be an assistant coach and help out for this bowl game. All right? So now, because Drew Brees was on the sideline and spent approximately three weeks with Purdue and West Lafayette getting ready for this bowl game against LSU, they figured, well, wait a minute. This individual in question, because of his business relationship with the sportsbook points bet, all right, we we cannot accept any more wagers. Matter of fact, we're going to have to refund the wagers because Drew Brees is a spokesperson for points bet. And the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement instructed that the state sports books stop taking bets involving Purdue football and said that existing wagers on the Citrus Bowl that were placed on December the 15th must be voided from that time on to the bowl game. Now, Breeze, a Purdue alum, signed on to be the interim head coach on December 15th. Well, a bunch to do about nothing. Do you really think that that has an effect on the game? That Drew Brees, what is Drew Brees going to go out there and play? No, of course not. He's an assistant coach and he's going to have some type of influence on the game because he's a spokesperson for points bets. And I can guarantee you, Drew Brees doesn't know anything about betting. They're just using his name, image, and likeness for it. He doesn't bet, he doesn't play doesn't know anything about point spreads and gambling. Even if he did, what would it have to do? Because he's not involved in the game on any way, shape, or form. And how would that have anything to do with it? So now these people that bet on the game, didn't matter if you bet on Purdue, you bet on LSU, you bet the total, your bet refunded. And that's sad because this is one of the easiest bets out there. LSU is laying 15 and a half. Now, luckily, here in Nevada, that didn't come into play. But that was only in New Jersey, who has point points bets there. How'd this all work out? Drew Brees, helping out his Purdue team, being an assistant coach, giving him all this motivation, huh? The line kept rising up and up and up, closed at 16 points in favor of LSU. How'd it work out? Drew Brees, did he have an influence on that game? Final score, LSU 63, Purdue 7. Hey, wait, does that sound familiar? What was the score of last night's game? 65 to 7. The two worst games on the bowl docket this year, even though last night wasn't a bowl game. But 
there was actually a game that was actually worse than that, probably. All right? Worse than the 65-7 to drubbing we saw last night. Worse than the 63-7 to drubbing LSU gave Purdue. How about the ultimate worst bowl game? Now, it wasn't this much as far as getting a drubbing, but it was the worst game to watch. And it was on New Year's Day. Iowa defeated Kentucky 21 to nothing. I hope no one watched this game because the Alabama game, Alabama K-State, was going on at the same time. But they put this game on New Year's Day. What was so bad about this? All right. Besides two teams that are inept of scoring, this was the exact same game in the exact same bowl as last year. And they give it to us again this year? Are you kidding me? And it was just as bad last year. Well, let me tell you what happened in this game. Iowa wins 21-0. Terrible game. This year, Iowa wins. Last year, they lost. So they win. But Iowa was 0-11 on third down. They were 0-2 on fourth down. There were 18 total punts in this game. The offense downright putrid and pathetic in college football where we've seen the two semifinal games over a 1,000 yards of offense, and we saw Georgia just steamroll their way to 350 yards of offense, I believe in the first quarter. First half, they had over 400 yards. Well, in this game, total yards, Iowa 206, Kentucky 185. Iowa had two pick sixes. 21-0, a game that featured 18 punts. Who wants to go to a bowl game and watch 18 punts? Atrocious. Terrible. Again, this is why we have too many bowl games. All right. Let me talk to you a little bit about basketball, the NBA. You heard me rip a little bit about, you know, what Rasul Douglas did because of the nonsense that we see with NBA players when there's a foul and a guy shoots up a shot and he wants to goaltend it because it's not going to be goaltending and the referees really get sick of that. Did you happen to see the game last week between Memphis and Charlotte? Oh boy. Get ready for this. And remind me when we talk to the seven footer, we get him back on that we mentioned this game. Memphis, Charlotte. All right. 354 to go in the third quarter. The score is 96 to 64. 96 to 64. Memphis is rolling here. Ja Morant inbounds the basketball. And how sick and tired are we seeing this? Inbound the ball on the baseline, and Ja Morant's going to bring it up court. So let's roll it in. And let's not touch it. Don't touch it. Just let's let it watch because I want to get as far down the court as I can before the 24-second clock starts or before the game clock starts. Well, let's... John Morant did this. The ball was rolling and rolling and rolling and then it came to a complete stop. The clock wasn't running because John Morant did not touch the ball in bounds. There are no defenders back for Charlotte. Because, remember, this is the third quarter. This is the waiting seconds of a game or a half. There's 3.54 to play in the third quarter. It's 96-64. to A 32-point game. And John Morant 
wants to let the ball rest and not pick it up. Do you know how much time went off the clock? All right. 27 seconds. 27 seconds, but the clock didn't start. All right. The 24-second clock did not start because he didn't touch it. So we had to sit there and watch and watch and watch. Numbchuck, do me a favor. Get your stopwatch out. All right? Let's clock 27 seconds. All right? And let's see just how long John Morant stared at the ball. All right? Here we go. Balls inbounds. And now. Should I touch it? No, not yet. Oh, I still have 13 seconds to go. Okay. Uh, Beavis and Budhead. Uh, oh, five seconds. Three, two. I'll touch it. Touch it. Uh, now we can play. Now we go. Let's go. Oh, we're up 32. Are you kidding me? This is what it's come down to. This is entertainment. <laughs> Oh, stupidity. Today's just been a stupid Tuesday is what it's been. It's ridiculous. Garbage. This is what we're seeing. But again, it's the mindset of the modern day athlete. What's our good friend Steve Sachs say? The wussification of the American athlete. <laughs> Insane. All right. Tom Chuck, you played the soccer open, didn't you? Did you? Let's did. talk some soccer. Marcus Rashford came off the bench to score a late winner for Manchester United last week. 1-0, a victory over the Wolves last Saturday. That's right. Man U, 1, Wolves, nil. How come they're just the Wolves? I mean, don't, don't they have a city affiliation? I don't know. All right, well, Marcus Rashford, the forward, he was dropped from the starting lineup. Why was he benched? From this game to start the game? Because he overslept. And he arrived late to the team meeting. However, the England International was brought on after halftime. And his strike earned the critical, crucial win for Manchester United 1-0. But he was benched because he overslept. Rashford in the second half was bright. He was lively. And he scored a goal. To give a good reaction. This is actually a post from one of the England papers there. Yes. Um, the manager, Eric Tenhag, told the British sports group, everyone has to adhere to the rules. If you react like this, it is the right answer. How do you oversleep? How do you oversleep? For a late afternoon game, early evening game. What are you doing the night before? What are you doing? You oversleep, you arrive late, team meeting, and then he gets to go in and he scores a game winner. So, who knows? All right. Uh, how about this story? Amateur golfer from Georgia, all right, lived every weekend hacker's dream when this guy got an invitation in his mailbox to the Masters. How cool is that? This guy thinks he's going to the Masters. Hmm. Well, his name is Scott Stallings. Scott Stallings is actually a PGA Tour pro. 
the guy that got the invitation was Scott Stallings, not a golfer. <laughs> Just happened to have the same name. The invitation was actually meant for the Scott Stallings, the PGA Tour pro, who made this Masters field by qualifying for the season-ending Tour Championship in 2022. So in a tweet on Tuesday, the real Scott Stallings said he had been checking his mailbox five times a day for the invitation, which never arrived. And he was wondering, well, I knew I qualified. Where's my invitation? Everyone else got their invitation. All the other golfers I talked to got theirs in the mail. Well, the other man reached out to Stallings. So Scott Stallings 1 reached out to Scott Stallings 2 on Instagram to let him know that he had it. It arrived in his mailbox after Augusta National Golf Club mistakenly sent it to the wrong address and this guy's condo. How about this? Would you like to get this from a guy? This is from one Scott to the golfer Scott. Hi, Scott. My name is Scott Stallings as well. And I'm from Georgia. My wife's name is Jennifer, too. I received a FedEx today from the Masters inviting me to play in the Masters tournament April 6th through the 9th, 2023. I'm 100% sure this is not for me. I play, but I'm nowhere near as good as you. (laughs) At least he admitted it. So the real Scott Stallings, please stand up, literally was checking his mailbox five times a day, and then he gets this random DM. How about that? Pretty funky, huh? Pretty crazy. All right. And uh, all right. In not so sad news, well, I should say very sad news, terrible news, uh, UFC President Dana White issued a public apology for a physical altercation that he had with him and his wife that was on video, and TMZ's running with this now, uh, during New Year's Eve in Cabo. Uh, The video, which was published by TMZ, shows Dana White and his wife, Anne, in a VIP area of a nightclub in Cabo. Dana White can be seen in the video saying something to Anne, at which point she slaps him in the face. And then Dana then slaps her back before the two are quickly separated. Here's Dana White's comment. You've heard me say it over the years. There is never, ever an excuse for a guy to put his hands on a woman. And now, here I am on TMZ talking about it. My wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. We've known each other since we were 12 years old. We've obviously been through some S-word together. Why does he have to say that? Why can't, you know, just... We've got three kids. This is one of those situations that's horrible. I'm embarrassed. But it's also one of those situations that right now we're more concerned about our kids. We have three kids, and obviously since the video popped up, we've shown the kids the video, and we're more focused on our family right now. I'm literally making no excuses for this thing at all. I've it's It's never happened before. It's the first time it's ever happened. People are going to say what they want, and they're going to say, and it is what it is. Whatever people say is deserved, I deserve it. So, yeah, the video shows her slapping him first, but still, no excuse. So now you've got women's right groups that are now uh, want him fired. They want him to relinquish his position UFC. It's kind of hard when he's the owner, though, right, to say, hey, we, we want you fired. I don't think a lot of the women realize that. But anyway, uh, they they're continue. They're going to boycott UFC events. Uh, they're going social media on this. They're going national media. 
and uh, they are not going to relent with this. Bad scene. Horrible scene. Horrible for Dana White. He's showing the accountability. He's apologizing. It's husband and wife. How about let husband and wife work it out on their own? And having other people come in and, and call for a guy's job or his status or ownership or whatever. Okay, you made your point. You say it. He admits it. He knows. He blew it. Okay? He wish he had that second and a half back. There's no question about it. Not defending Dana White at all. It's absurd. You don't hit a woman, period. But for some of these groups to go out there and make it their mission now to further ruin a guy's life. Hey, it's a marital situation. Let them handle it and and move on. All right. And finally, we talked about this uh, yesterday, but the circuit contest had 6,113 entrants. It came down to three people in the final week to claim a $6 million winner-take-all prize going 20-0 and on the season. One contestant had Jacksonville over Tennessee. Life and death to win that game, but they won it. Jacksonville got it. All right, that guy's in. Seattle against the Rams. It goes overtime. The guy had Seattle. He got there. He's in. The third contestant is involved in the Indianapolis Colts-Houston Texans game. Took the Indianapolis Colts. The bad beat of all bad beats. The Colts trailed 24-14. to Then they scored 17 unanswered points to lead 31-24. to Leading by a touchdown. Under a minute to go, and the Texans have their final drive of the game. They converted a 4th and 12 from the 50-yard line. Got a first down. Keep the drive alive. They now face a 4th and 20 at the Indianapolis 28-yard line. What happens on 4th and 20? Davis Mills back to pass. The quarterback for Houston throws a 28-yard pass that goes through the arms of a Colts defensive back. Lands on the hands of wide receiver Jordan Akins of the Texans. Touchdown. But now it's 31 to 30. What do you do? Kick the extra point? You go overtime? No, it's the Texans. Won won three games all year. Let's go for it. Let's win. So can you imagine what this better's doing now? Remember, there's an 80% shot that they're not going to make it. 20% success rate on two-point conversions. Texans go for two. Mills back to pass again. Sees Akins in the end zone. Conversion. Houston wins 32-31 and costs this contestant $2 million. Ooh. That is like the bad beat of all bad beats. All right. Lots of terrible Tuesday takes. All right. We come back. Chuck Esposito will join us. We'll talk betting and take a good hard look at Wild Card Weekend. This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the T.C. Martin Show. All right, Wild Card Weekend is upon us. It's about that time we start looking and handicapping. Can hardly wait for the NFL's uh, second season. And join us now, Chuck Esposito, the esteemed race and sportsbook director at uh, Red Rock and all the station casino properties. Chuck, what's going on, my friend? I'm all good, T. Just kind of gearing up and getting excited about the wild card round of the playoffs that wasn't quite the national championship game we had envisioned yesterday, um, but congrats to Georgia completing the you know back-to-back championships, and uh, they sure did look impressive. So, Chuck, at what point in time were you back there watching this thing and you said, okay, th- that's enough. I can't tolerate watching anymore. 
that you can't tolerate watching it. It's just probably within the first five minutes, you you could tell the the difference in the trenches yeah. um, was pretty significant. That uh, they were able to make an impact on the defensive side and the TCU's backfield pretty early on. And I'm not sure there was a handprint on on Bennett's jersey the entire game. So for me, that was the big difference. I thought that could be the case. Um, and uh, hey. Georgia's got a number of uh, pros on that defense, and they're awfully good. And you look at their schedule next year, that's really, really favorable. And they will be the, the odds-on favorite to, uh, to three-peat, um, which hasn't been done in college football in 70 or 80 years. So um, hats off again to the Bulldogs, who played a, a great game last night and capped off an undefeated season. And you called it, Chuck. You, you I know that you like Georgia in, in this game and, and thought that would happen. I don't think anybody thought uh, 65 to 7 would happen. But yeah, just, uh, you know, the, the worst uh, game as far as, you know, margin of victory in any championship game. Uh, you know, that we've ever seen, whether it's uh, football, college football, the NFL or whatever, just um, really, really lackluster. It's too bad. But from a betting standpoint, we know that there are a lot of TCU tickets, a lot of people, uh, some public and sharps that were taking, you know, 12, 12 and a half, 13, 13 and a half. How was the action on this game uh, overall for you, just as far as, you know, what you guys needed? And then, then obviously the, the overall handle. The action was great, T. The handle was, was really good. Uh, it was a strong bet game. I think a lot goes back to, you know, TCU and the success that they had against Michigan, um, the way they played that game. I thought that they would be the looser of the four teams during the playoffs, and I thought they could be a little bit loose last night. We saw Detroit against Green Bay. I know it wasn't a game that meant anything to Detroit, though, on Sunday night, um, but really it was kind of loose, and the whole game plan and scheme was much different. I think a lot of people thought with this huge number asking Georgia to win by by two touchdowns um, was, was going to help benefit TCU a little bit. But really, if you go back to the start of the season, um, TCU, granted, phenomenal season, great run, Duggan was great, uh, Johnson was great, Sonny Dykes did a great job there. But you think about they were 500-1 to T before the season started um, to win the national championship. We did have a ticket, one ticket. Um, at, for $25 at 500 to 1. And I'm sure that person was smiling going into the game, had some value for their investment, but it wasn't a TCU team that was highly regarded. And I really think that, again, for me, it was the trenches, just the, the difference in size on the offense and defensive line and the way that, that the Bulldogs were able to dominate on both sides of the ball there was, was the huge difference in the game. All right. Uh, Chuck Esposito joins us over at uh, Red Rock. You know, Chuck, we la- we talked last week about you had to, you know refund you know bets with the with the Bills and Bengals, but then uh, you know also uh, other things that were involved aside from that game that were correlated with like season win totals, where you know uh, in most books it says you you most must play all seventeen games. Uh, so we we know that some books were were refunding. Uh, the, the players, but then others, you know, we, you know, were not. Uh, and talk a little bit about what you guys did there at stations. Uh, whether you had to pay people, you refunded people, and we're talking about the division wagers and then the the, the future wagers. It just seems a little bit confusing, and I'm sure you had a lot of people coming asking a lot of questions. And I know it's it's kind of an uncomfortable time for a, a lot of sportsbook directors when you have to deal with this stuff. But kind of explain the rules, not just in that game because we talked about that last week, but how it affects. You know, going into, you know, the, the, you know, winning the division and, and, and grading winners in, in these other things. 
Well, that's the reason, T, that we actually put house rules out and have them publicly available to any of our guests. They're on our kiosk. They're they're on the app. Um, there's disclaimers on the sheets if uh, if something isn't covered in our house rules. This is sent in advance to the gaming control board, so they have a record of it as well. And we just followed our house rules. I mean, that was the you know the the, the best way to do it. And for for regular season wins, uh, we clearly state that um, teams must play uh, 17 games for action. And we do that to, to keep it as, as fair and consistent as, as we can um, you, for both sides. I mean, if you look at a baseball total, um, you, could, you could bet a total over eight runs, and there could be 20 runs scored in the, in the first, uh, you know, four innings of the game. And if the game doesn't go, yep. um, you know, enough innings, it's, it's not going to be paid. It's going to be refunded. And um, I, I understand uh, the questions and the frustrations, I'm not saying that we, you know, we wanted to make it this way, but we're just following our house rules. And we try to be, again, as, as fair and consistent as we always can. And that's why we, we have these out there. Um, so both sides have a clear understanding of what they are. So there is no gray area. It, it says it, it's posted, it's available, and, and that's what we're governed by. Yeah, and I think everybody understands that, that hey, you, you, know, you have to play you know, 17 games, uh, understandable. And just like a, a, a game that gets delayed by lightning or postponed early, hey, if you're not playing 55 minutes, I know that's in the rules, uh, in the house rules as well, too. But I guess there is some discrepancy, Chuck, right, with, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, winning a division or weren't there some, some other things, as long as the NFL, like for teams to make the playoffs or something like that, where that you didn't well, have to play 17 games. It's not that there's a discrepancy. Right. It's, it's a just, different rule. It's a different it's, rule. That there's right? just a different rule. Okay. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Um, as long as a winner is crowned for a division, um, you know, uh, or a team to make the playoffs, as long as you still make the playoffs the way that it's, it's worded. And again, these are on our, right. our sheets. I mean, they are, they are, they are on the sheets. And, and, you know, you can see those when you, before you make a bet, they're on, um, and, uh, they do say that if for a team to make the playoffs or, or win a division, it's as long as a winner is crowned. The regular season wins are different because you don't know if, if a team were to miss a game, um, say it was different times of the year for whatever reason, not, the same game that you don't know if one team could have been a 20 point favorite against team B and one could have been a 20 point dog. Um, so we're not trying to guess what's going to occur or when it's going to occur. It's just, if it occurs, this is what our house rules state. So everybody clearly has an understanding of how the rule is interpreted. Yeah, exactly. And there's the clarification right there. Again, season win totals, you got to play 17. But again, division, it's a different thing. And I can understand where some people get confused. They think, well, wait a minute, you know, you got to play all those games. But again, it's it, it, different rules for different situations, plain and simple. And you're right. I mean, everything is posted there. But man, I mean, it just goes to show you that you, you got to be glad that you know you you spend all that time, or the legal department spends all that time, in in, in having all this stuff and, and writing out the verbiage and having it posted. Because again, it's not like you guys are making up stuff on the fly. Um, you know, you guys are just adhering, you know, you know, to your rules. So, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, Chuck, and, and I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. There are some books and I, I give you guys a lot of credit. There are, there, there are a couple of uh, properties out there that would not take teasers, uh, this weekend on the NFL, which I thought was pretty, pretty absurd. 
Uh, you know, just because what it's the final week of the regular season, I, I don't understand it. And I know that there are a lot of players that were upset with that, but you guys, you, you took the teaser action no different than you did, you know, all other 18, 19 weeks of, of the football season. And it just seems strange that some books will alter their, their rule. I don't even, that's a rule, whatever, but just saying, Oh, we're not going to take teasers this week. So commend, commend you guys for, for sticking through that because I know there are a lot of people that everybody and their mother was probably going to be on Buffalo or Cincinnati on teasers like that. But there were a couple books out there that says, you know what? We're, we're not going to allow our players to, to, to bet any teasers. What were your thoughts about that? You know, I'm just going to speak about us, T. I think it's, you know, week 18 is a little bit um, uh, preseason-esque, is that a lot of things that you hear early in the week, say on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're going to hear different on Friday and Saturday and maybe way different on Sunday. Um, We know that we're in information era and there's a lot of information out there. Um, We're still monitoring those and, you know, adjusting accordingly. Um, but it was something we did offer during the season and we, we chose to, uh, to continue to do that. But, uh, there, there is a lot more, you know, uh, volatility, I would say, in the number on week 18 just because of the uncertainty, um, across the board. All right. All right, Chuck, let's talk about uh, wild card weekend. Looking forward to it. And, you know, since the, the NFL now a couple of years, they, they went to just the, the one by team in each conference. We've had six games last year and four, in four of the six, uh, we're, we're double digits and you're getting, you know, a number two team that has not gotten the buy, but now they're playing that lower seeded team. And we've seen a couple double digit point spreads that are reflecting that coming up this week. Uh, we got San Francisco, a 10 point favorite as a number two seed. And then we've got Buffalo, same thing, a 10 and a half point favorite. Now it's coming down a little bit against Miami because maybe Tua may play. But, uh, again, we could, uh, you know, you know, see some blowouts kind of like we did, uh, last year. Let's talk about some of these games here, and let's start with Saturday. Uh, I think we all have to love the schedule in here because you have two games on Saturday. It's very similar to what we saw last weekend. And then you got three games on Sunday. And then we have a Monday night football game that I think may, you know, some people may have some, some questions with, with that because now, you know, the winner of this game may have a short week, you know, going to the next round of the playoffs. But uh, talk a little bit about the format and with the seven teams and only having one, one bye week. Or one, one I mean, I love that there. I love that there's more games. Um, love that there's three primetime games on on Saturday night, Sunday night, and Monday. Um, this year, we've seen you know dogs against the number uh, have a much higher success rate than what we've seen in the past. Um, I think you look at you know the 49ers who have been so dominant down the stretch, and you see a big number there. You look at the Bills who are playing a Dolphin team more than likely without Tua. The Ravens, even if um, Lamar Jackson is back, it's it's uh, you don't know you know how productive he'll be. They weren't great offensively the entire season. Um, you know, by adding the extra playoff spot, you you did add you know a team that that is fairly mediocre um, to to get a chance to compete in the playoffs. But as we've seen in in other sports, sometimes crazy things happen, and you know you don't expect a team to move on. Um, I know what you're saying about the you know the Cowboys Bucks. My guess is they'll probably be a a late, maybe the winner will be a late primetime game um, during the divisional round. Um, but 
Uh, I'm looking forward to it, T. And again, I, I love that there's three primetime games. Anytime you have isolated primetime games in pro football, it always adds kind of an extra dimension to the, to the atmosphere, the electricity, and of course the handle um, that we get uh, in our sports folks and on the mobile app. Have you seen some early action, you know, thus far on on any any games here? Because we've seen, like you said, some movement with the with the Bengals Ravens a little bit, and then obviously the uh, looks like. Uh, you know, some dolphin money may be coming in because you know we've seen that line move uh, around a point or so. Yeah, there has been a little surprising to me that we've seen some some Seahawk money show and some dolphin money show. I know it's the postseason. I know the Dolphins, <coughs> excuse me, were really competitive with the Bills several weeks ago um, in that snow on that Saturday night um, where uh, it was. Um, you know, the Dolphins had an opportunity to win with Tua and didn't. Ravens and Bengals know each other so good. Um, we've seen some movement there. And you've seen the Cowboy-Buck game drop a little bit, too. These two teams played week one. Um, I, I think everyone kind of looks at the Cowboys. And um, Dak Prescott had led the league with interceptions with 15. I think he's thrown an INT in seven straight games. So although they have the ingredient to maybe play that second week in February, they can run the ball. They can play lights-out defense. They've got some good skill position players and Schultz and CeeDee Lamb and, and Pollard and and, and, and Elliott, uh, you really wonder if the, the question mark maybe now is Dak uh, on that team. Can he get them over the hump? Brady, he's still Brady. I know they didn't have a great year. They weren't very good all year long. They just happened to play in the poorest division in the league. Yet he was able to find a way to, to win multiple games down the stretch in the fourth quarter. He had that big comeback against Carolina where he was able to find Mike Evans three times. He, it's hard to, to, to rule the GOAT out. Um, so I think that game on Monday night's really going to draw a good handle, but early action has clearly been on Tampa at home getting the points. Chuck, have you ever seen this? I don't, I don't think we, any of us have seen this here. So, but you got all of these games here, these six games, and we've got rematches of every one. They have played and obviously got a couple of division opponents. It'll be the third time that they've squared off, like with Seattle and, and San Francisco, and then you got Buffalo, Miami, and then you also got Baltimore and Cincinnati, but Giants and Vikings already played this year. The Jags and the Chargers have already played this year. How strange is this? And does that help you set in the line, or does it maybe, you know, help the players, or doesn't really help anybody, or just talk a little bit to the uniqueness of this? I think it's more than uniqueness. Um, I think a lot of times, see, you really have to go back to some of those games and see who, who, you know, was playing and who wasn't, if there was any key injuries in the, in the games. Um, but these, a lot of these teams know each other. And I think that's why maybe you're seeing some of these lines come down is because of the familiarity between, say, the Seahawks and Niners, um, and, you know, the, the Dolphins and Bills that these teams did play. It's the third time, as you mentioned, they're playing. Jags and Chargers played a game early in the season that the Jags thoroughly dominated. The Vikings beat the Giants late in the season with a field goal, and they weren't completely healthy in that game. So I think it's more the uniqueness that it just happens that all these matchups are ones that we've seen before. And I think the teams that have the buys have, you know, familiarity with a lot of these teams as well. So it's really going to be interesting to see that all the way that it all shakes out. But, hey, Kansas City and Philadelphia are home watching, and uh, we'll kind of see how it unfolds this weekend. But really looking forward to this weekend, especially, again, with the three primetime games. Is there one game you think that you guys will be uh, watching a little bit more closely than, than others? And uh, which game maybe do you think you may have a big decision on? I don't think a little bit more closely than others. We're going to be glued to the set for all of them. Um, I, I do think still, based on ticket counts, that we're going to be um, Seahawks fans in the, in the early game on Saturday. 
Um, I think we will be uh, Dolphin fans in the early game on Sunday, and I still can see a scenario that we're we're, we're Raven fans. I think the other three games, um, you're going to see really good kind of two-way handle, happy to root for whoever we need. Um, Chargers were that team that everybody bet before the season started to win the Super Bowl, to win the conference, um, to win the division. They've been kind of that team that everybody liked. I don't think they had a great season, but they finished strong against a very uh, you know weak schedule. Um, I think you look at Cowboys Bucks, hey, it's Cowboys American team against Brady. And Giants Vikings kind of know each other pretty well from that late season game. But Vikings are have really been a disappointment down the stretch. Any liability for you guys as you look at the futures market here as the playoffs begin? And any of these teams? Uh, the only team that that's uh that we do have some liability on is the 49ers. I think just uh you know, the way they've played all year and they had some higher odds once Garoppolo got hurt, nobody knew for sure that um, that you know a young quarterback uh, like Purdy would be able to step in and play so so well. Um, but uh, uh, the Niners are the team that, from a liability standpoint, we 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 don't do as well as most of the other teams. All right, he is Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. Does a great job with all the station casino properties. Chuck, we appreciate uh, you joining us. We'll get back to our regular Monday schedule uh, next week. Uh, enjoy the games, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Steve. You got it, brother. There he is. Get over there. Great uh, atmosphere at any of the station casino properties. And, of course, the, the kiosks are there in the STN mobile app. That's right. Station casinos. They're not changing up the rules. No. They took action. They took teaser action. Some books didn't. It's kind of crazy. All right. I want to thank Chuck Esposito for joining us uh, today. And, uh, of course, Lincoln Kennedy as well, too, with a little Raiders recap Hearing from Big Link, telling it like it is there. All right, and of course, plenty of terrible Tuesday takes as well. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out there at tcmartinshow.com. Again, wherever you get your podcast, check it out there. But you can get through all that just by navigating your way through the website at tcmartinshow.com. Back at it again tomorrow. Enjoy your day and evening. A lot of good college hoops coming your way tonight. And tomorrow, we'll talk a little UNLV and Boise State. Uh, at the MAC, Rebels coming off that big-time road victory against uh, a top-25 team in New Mexico, so hopefully the Rebs can get it done tomorrow. Have yourself a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow right here at 2. I'll leave my woman.